You're listening to Socialist News and Views with your host, Nick Schillingford. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis in the second half of our show and audio essay entitled USA Liberals Ain't Shit. But we start with the news. Minneapolis police continue to murder black men. Latest among them is Amir Locke, awoken and killed within seconds by police after a no-knock raid that MPD requested. But Minneapolis residents and activists continue to protest. Here's a clip. No more racist cops! That was from the National Solidarity Justice for Amir rally that took place on February 8th. We will include a link in the show notes to video put out by Urban Cabin Studios of that rally in March. Biden continues the hawkish buildup in Ukraine. Socialist News and Views strongly condemns any move to war, saying no war with Russia and no war but the class war. February 1st. Amnesty International released a statement on Israel titled, New Report Finds Israeli Authorities Are Committing Crime Against Humanity of Apartheid Against Palestinians in Israel and in the Occupied Palestinian Territory. The report released by Amnesty says, quote, The research details how the Israeli government enforces a system of oppression and domination against the Palestinian people wherever it has control over their rights, end quote. Now we'll play a three-minute clip from a video released by Amnesty along with the report that outlines the system of ID cards used by the Israeli government as one form of oppression and social control over Palestinian peoples. One way to understand this segregation and oppression is to look at the ID system. Jewish Israelis have only one ID card with a status that grants them the rights to live almost anywhere they wish in the country. They can move freely with access to healthcare and vast resources. Palestinians, on the other hand, have four types of ID cards, if any at all. The kind of ID card you are given determines the level of rights you can enjoy and controls where you can go and what you can do. If you hold a green card, you are subject to military rule. And if you have a green card with a Gaza address, it means you're trapped in a 365 kilometer square open air prison under Israeli military blockade in place since 2007. Israel controls what goes in and what goes out from children's toys to medical supplies. 90% of the people have no access to safe drinking water, 47% are unemployed, 56% live in poverty. 
Palestinians with a Gaza ID are forbidden from going to Jerusalem in the West Bank, even if they have family there. Some people in the West Bank are considered to live there illegally and can be deported immediately to Gaza if found by the army, even if they have been in the West Bank for decades. Whereas, if you hold a green card which has a West Bank address, then you live here. This green card means you can live within specific enclaves surrounded by illegal Israeli settlements. And there's a separation wall and fences built around you since 2002, which Palestinians call the Apartheid Wall. It's eight meters high in places and 700 kilometers long. That's twice the height of the Berlin Wall and more than four times its length. 80% of it is built inside the West Bank, occupying even more Palestinian land. There are separate roads for Israelis and Palestinians, hundreds of checkpoints scattered throughout, not to mention the 54 years of occupation, which has devastated the lives of millions of Palestinians. Palestinians with a West Bank ID can travel to Gaza or East Jerusalem, but only if they receive a permit from the military to do so. This blue ID is for Palestinians in East Jerusalem. They can travel to the occupied West Bank as well as to Israel, but they are not citizens of Israel. They have only been granted a residency status. This means that they cannot vote in Israeli national elections, and if they leave East Jerusalem for too long, for example, to study or work abroad or in other parts of the occupied West Bank, their residency is revoked, so they can't return. Since 1967, Israel has revoked the residency status of more than 14,600 Palestinians from East Jerusalem. If this complex ID system wasn't enough to segregate the Palestinian community, in 2002, Israel introduced a law that prohibits family unification. That's right, denying Palestinians the right to live with their loved ones if their ID cards are different. And this woman is one of thousands of Palestinians who Israel will not issue any ID card. She can't travel, can't hug her family, only see them meters away across the border. And now I would like to play a poem. Uh, this is a poem by Mahmoud Darwish, a well-known Palestinian poet. It is called ID card, identity card. Uh, this particular version I pulled from SoundCloud. It's the audios by Walid and Adrian uh, in English and Arabic. Have a listen. How are you? Identity card. Write down. I am an Arab, and my ID number is 50,000. I have eight children, and the ninth is due after the summer. Has what I said make you mad? charity at your door. 
I don't lower myself at the footsteps of your court. Has what I said make you mad? Sajjil ana arabi. Ana ismun bila laqabi. Taburun fi biladin kullu ma fiha ya'ishu bi fawrati al-ghadabi. Juzuri qabla miladi al-zamani rasad. Wa qabla tafantuk al-fukubi. Wa qabla sarwi wal-zaytuni. Wa qabla tarar wal-ushbi. Write down, I am an Arab. I am a name without a designation. Patient in a country where everything has a tantrum. My roots were deeply entrenched before the birth of time. My roots trace back before the ushering of dynasties. Before cypresses and olive trees grew on this earth. Before the grass grew on this earth. Abi, min al-mahrafi. لا من سادة نجبي وجدي كان فلاحا بلا حسب ولا نسب يعلمني شموخ الشمس قبل قراءة الكتب وبيتي كوكنا طور من الأعواد والقصب فهل ترضيك منزلتي أنا اسم بلا لقب My father hails from a family of plowmen not blue blood barren my grandpa was a farmer, wholly unknown. Yet he taught me about the dignity of the soul before teaching me how to read. And my home is a cabin made out of sticks and bamboo. So are you displeased with my status? I am a name without a designation. Sajjil, ana arabi. Walawnu al-shari fahmiyun. Walawnu al-ayni bunniyun. وميزاتي على رأسي عقال فوق كوفية وكفي صلبة كالصخر تخمش من يلامسها وعنواني أنا من قرية عزلاء منسية شوارعها بلا أسماء وكل رجالها في الحقل والمحجر فهل تغضب؟ Right now I am an Arab The color of my hair is like coal and the color of my eyes is brown. My distinguishing marks include my headband that I wear on top of a kefaya, and my palm is rock solid. It scratches whoever touches it. And about my address, I am from an isolated village, forgotten. Its streets are unnamed, and all its men are in the field or in the stone quarry. Has what I said make you mad? أنا عربي سلبت كروم أجدادي وأرضا كنت أفلحها أنا وجميع أولادي ولم تترك لنا ولكل أحفادي سوى هذه الصخور فهل ستأخذها حكومتكم كما قيل إذا سجل رأس الصفحة الأولى أنا لا أكره الناس ولا أصدو على أحد ولكن إذا ما جعت أكل لحم مقتصبي حزاري حزاري من جوعي ومن غضبي Write down I am an Arab The meadows of my ancestors were stolen The land I used to cultivate together with my children was stolen You didn't leave to us anything except these rocks So will your government take them away as well as it's been announced? In that case, write down on the top of the first page, I don't hate the people 
and I don't break into anyone's place. But if I starve to death, I'm left with nothing else but the flesh of my occupier to feed on. So beware, beware of my hunger and anger. And now we're back. We go to USA Liberals Ain't Shit, originally written in September of 2021 and recently recorded. Here's the audio essay. Hi, my name is Joseph Towns, and I'd like to read a piece called USA Liberals Ain't Shit. Canadian and European liberals are imperialists nationalists, and bigots, obviously. But at least they do practice capitalist social democracy, which is much less miserly and sometimes more generous to workers and impoverished people, usually than the brutal we-don't-care-if-you-starve-and-die USA capitalism. Here in Portugal, where I live as an impoverished, homeless, neurodivergent, queer black, anarcho-communist, American heretical Muslim, trans-feminist, pantheist refugee from the USA without legal residency, the Socialist Party in power is a capitalist social democracy party. The influential and popular Communist Party here in Portugal is a capitalist social democracy party that wants capitalism to be substantially more generous to workers and the impoverished than the Socialist Party in power here. The PCP has old ties to Soviet Stalinist state capitalism, and I have been told that they have no serious revolutionary ambitions. Bernie Sanders, a few members of the squad, and all elected USA socialists, in quotes, are actually capitalist social democrats, aka Canadian and European liberals. At least some European liberals, capitalist social democrats, are willing to abolish homelessness, as has been almost totally done in Finland, under Prime Minister Sana Marin, who has the same first name as my mom. For some reason, my grandmother found the Scandinavian name in a book she was reading and gave it to her black New Orleanian daughter. Capitalist social democracy in Finland is also very LGBTQ plus friendly probably the most comfortable for queers in Europe, with the possible exception of Spain. On the surface, Portugal appears to be cosmopolitan and queer-friendly, and the Socialist Party here has won marriage equality and transgender civil liberties, but that's only on the surface. Below the surface, it is an extremely conservative Catholic country with a long history of deeply rooted white supremacy, racist global imperialism and enslavement, 
and with the truly vicious, though usually publicly polite, religious, cis-heteropatriarchy that destroys lives, including mine. I seriously intuit that Cristiano Ronaldo is queer, but he probably could never come out as more than metrosexual because of the vicious but polite Portuguese cis-heteropatriarchy. Maybe I'm wrong. Almost all popular socialist, communist, and leftist parties in Europe are actually capitalist social democratic parties, liberals, that try to make capitalism more generous and less miserly to workers and the impoverished, or at least try to prevent end poverty. They obviously never succeed, but their popular presence does in fact make conditions for workers in Europe generally much, much better than in the USA. Although conditions for many of the impoverished, especially for minority groups, and especially in the UK, France, Southern Europe, Eastern Europe, and elsewhere, remain often quite horrific. In European countries where right-wing or neo-fascist parties have lots of power, conditions for workers and the impoverished are obviously generally much, much worse, but still usually not as bad as the USA. However, even right-wing and neo-fascist European parties won't eliminate or will only try to downsize key elements of European capitalist social democracy, such as publicly funded universal health care, which not even the right wing or neo-fascists in Europe will try to fuck with because the mass of workers won't tolerate it. So liberals, the Democratic Party, and the DSA in the USA really ain't shit because they won't or can't even get workers and the impoverished in the USA publicly funded universal and nationally systemic capitalist social democracy, such as publicly funded universal health care and other protections from poverty, especially dire poverty, hunger, and homelessness. The American bourgeoisie is the wealthiest in the world, consistently has the richest billionaires like Bezos with his nearly 200 billion as some of his employees live in homeless shelters, in part because it has succeeded in totally owning the USA electoral processes and in being exceptionally greedy, stingy, and marginally while paying little to nothing in taxes. Since Presidents FDR and Johnson, with their comparatively much, much higher tax rates on the rich, USA liberals ain't done jack to seriously tax the rich. Also, the American bourgeoisie has reaped trillions from healthcare for profit, the insurance and pharmaceutical, including opioid industries, the military-industrial prison complex, and constant genocidal American military imperialism around the world, especially where brown and black people live, and disproportionately die. Liberals in the USA are comparable to the right-wing parties in Europe. The Democratic Party in the USA is a center-right party in Europe, 
and the Democratic Socialists of America in the USA is the center-left party in Europe. Revolutions in Europe, though unsuccessful, as well as consistent mass working-class agitation, have made Europe much easier to live in for workers than the USA, where white supremacy especially has so divided the working class that a neo-fascist national regime in the future is almost inevitable and capitalist social democracy has become virtually impossible to institutionalize without violent revolution. In short, the USA would need a civil war simply to avoid neo-fascism and to make its bourgeoisie less miserly and greedy, not to even mention abolishing capitalism. Right-wing and neo-fascist European parties attract workers primarily with attacks on immigrants, especially Black Africans and Middle Easterners, Muslims, the Roma, queers, and other minority groups, but not with plans to eliminate most or all capitalist social democracy. As I said, Sanders and other elected socialists, in quotes, in the USA, Canada, and Europe, are almost always capitalist social democrats. Maybe some people in the DSA imagine that capitalist social democracy can evolve into abolishing all capitalism and all state capitalism with the coercive power of mass popular support, but without violent revolution, which most of them fear with good reason. A violent revolutionary civil war in the USA would only be successful for left-of-center liberals, the most radical of capitalist social democrats, if it got at least half of the military and security apparatuses to support them. The USA remains currently and for the foreseeable future much too ideologically conservative to support totally abolishing the bourgeoisie, capitalism, and state capitalism, either peacefully or violently, in my opinion. Too many USA workers and impoverished people imagine generation after generation that one day they can become bourgeois so that they can look down upon other Americans they once struggled to survive with. It's a problem of battling the addictive ideology of bourgeois narcissistic individualism among all American subalterns, liberal and conservative. Some liberals imagine that that socialism can evolve from capitalism with the snail's pace gradualism and without violent revolution. Can anybody name a country in the world where capitalism, state capitalism, and imperialist debt slavery have been totally eliminated with a snail's pace gradualism and without coercive or violent revolution? I can wait. I hope to be surprisingly informed. Actual socialists abolish and outlaw all or almost all capitalism and state capitalism. Actual socialists outlaw billionaires and the bourgeoisie. This has never been done electorally, which is why socialism is so rare historically. 
That's why China isn't properly socialist, in my opinion, though allegedly it's trying to get there. Allegedly. That statement above will probably piss off Maoists, some Stalinists, and other socialists and communists, in quotes, who correctly celebrate the elimination of the poverty of hundreds of millions of Chinese people, but can't explain why China must continue to have so many allegedly restrained billionaires. Can't explain why the Biden and Trump families have gotten richer in China. Can't explain why capitalism and state capitalism haven't been totally abolished in China. And why Apple iPhone workers at Foxconn were committing mass suicide there. Can't explain why China needed to credit fund American bourgeois imperialism at the tune of over $1 trillion. Can't explain why allegedly hundreds of thousands of members of an ethno-religious group need internment and re-education camps even though they don't appear to be mostly bourgeois and can't explain China's seemingly near-imperialist economic roles in black Africa and other countries in the black African diaspora, etc. Whenever I ask these questions to Maoists and other so-called socialists and communists, in quotes, they usually refuse to answer and only quickly label me as an ideologue of American bourgeois imperialism, even though at least $1 trillion for that American bourgeois imperialism came from the Chinese Communist Party. And Trump, until recently, was getting rich having his neckties made under the approval of the Chinese Communist Party in China. I know Ivanka and Jared are still getting rich in China, but I haven't kept up with their business investments. Maybe after coronavirus pandemic, the Trump family has disinvested from China for political reasons. I don't know. I haven't heard yet that Trump has closed his Chinese bank account. Have you? Even when Mao's and other never criticized the Chinese Communist Party's so-called communists who rarely try to answer these questions, they never do so straightforwardly, but always evasively while trying to accuse me of being a liberal American imperialist. I can assure you I'm too broke to be a covert American bourgeois imperialist ideologue. If I were, would I be worried about shelter and groceries? Frankly, in my opinion, the closest the world has come to a truly relatively egalitarian, low bureaucracy socialism is Cuba. And even it has had struggles with bureaucratic elitism, intelligentsia elitism, white supremacy, and cis-heteropatriarchy. And it currently has struggles against the failures of its bureaucracy and economy under the horrific pressures of the American imperial blockade. The Cuban masses are pissed because the younger people don't remember at all or as well what the capitalist Batista dictatorship was like and what it was like when Cuba was a mafia and corporate-owned slave colony of the American imperialist bourgeoisie. The American blockade has succeeded, and with memories of the past fading, the Cubans are tired of the economic suffering and of watching on internet what appears to be the prosperity around them. Those apparitions are fooling them. They ain't real. 
The bureaucracy that Guevara always warned them about has failed them, especially because American bourgeois imperialism has succeeded in squashing the once relatively successful but always severely burdened socialist experiment of an impoverished small island nation near Florida with currently not nearly enough serious and wealthy allies. Whoever bothers to read this commentary, I'd love to be educated and to have my optimism increased by well-informed, concise, and verbally clear, well-organized differences of opinion. By the way, I'm anarcho-communist, not because I totally reject statist experiments in revolutionary socialism, abolishing the whole bourgeoisie, all capitalism, and all state capitalism, because I believe a radical left to the left of statist revolutionary socialism is always necessary to criticize, combat, and challenge bureaucratic, technocratic, cultural, and intellectual elitism. I'm Nick Schillingford, and that is our show. I uh, encourage everyone to check out our recent uh, special reports and special interviews covering uh, healthcare emergency in the U.S., uh, solidarity with the Kazakhstan uprising, the Save Our Seas, Save Ourselves, and most recently, Minneapolis Fights for Strong Rent Control. Check those out on SoundCloud. That's our show. This has been another edition of Socialist News and Views with your host, Nick Schillingford.